am receiving a signal. Identify the source, please. Unknown. I'm trying to clean it up, sir. The transmission is going stronger. Spock, what do you make of that? An unknown form of energy and great power. Put it on screen. Trust me, you're going to love it. It is luminous. It's got action. Fire everything! Adventure. <laughs> Romance. Lot of course for it. Do it. Sessions, please. Lock and lock. All systems affirmative, Captain. Black alert. Take us out. Blood a tear to me, I... I'll be quiet. There is one ideal that the Federation holds most dear. It is that all races can be united. We are all explorers. Going where no one has gone before. The mission is to seek out and contact alien life. In the mystery and vastness of space, we might not just satisfy our curiosity, but argue to connect. You'll find that more happens to the bridge of a starship than just carrying out orders. What about a family? This is my family. We are the crew of the USS Enterprise. Wherever you go, we go. We will always be there for you. And right now we're heading into a pile of crazy, dangerous space debris. Great maneuvers. Yes, sir. Risk is our business. Not let here define us. Fortune favors the bull. It's the next great age of exploration. What are we waiting for? Course hitting, Captain. Second start to the right. He's straight off till morning. On your command, Captain. Let's punch it. Take it in. Let's fly. Hit it. Engage. I would like the ship to go. Now. Now. Oh, what in the world? What the hell is he talking about? Exciting. So fun. Fascinating. Would you look at that? Live long and prosper. Well, good evening, Trekkies and Trekkers around the globe. Welcome to Trek Talk, and this is our special Overflow Monday night podcast just for you guys. That's right. There's a lot of talk about a lot of Star Trek games coming out, two in particular that we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, WizKids has a new game on its way called Star Trek Into the Unknown. And Gale Force 9 has a game which is currently available called Away Missions, The Battle at Wolf 359. And we're going to talk about both of those games tonight. So if you're interested, if you have Wolf 359 or you want to talk about it, you can let your fingers do the walking and call Trek Talking at 646 668 Two four three three. We will be live with you guys for the next hour. If you can't get through, you can always go to our, our trektalking.com page, click on the little blue microphone in the bottom right-hand corner, and record us a message, and we will play it on the next podcast, which will be Thursday night. Before we go too far, though, I want to introduce you to my awesome Trexperts who are with me tonight. And we're going to jump all the way out to Las Vegas. That's right, Las Vegas, where we have Charles. How are you doing tonight, Charles? I'm doing all right. A little tired. <coughs> Hitting 90s again this week, but rumor is we could see fall this weekend. They're talking 70s and 80s were highs at the end of the week. They start feeling like yeah, fall, that's what, finally. That's what we're looking at here. It's supposed to be 76, 77, 
over at camp over the weekend. I'm looking forward to it. No rain. That's good. Um, and we're going to swing all the way back out to Portland again, where we have our very own David. How you doing, David? Oh, pretty good, pretty good. But instead of letting my fingers do the walking, can I have my fingers do the hopping? Because apparently I took a 20, but the weather over here took a 1, so I don't know. Because it's raining <laughs> right now. <laughs> oh, rain, rain, rain. I'm sick of rain. And uh, also in Portland, we have our very own Eric. How you doing tonight, Eric? I am doing really good. I am broadcasting live from Southern Oregon. I'm in Ashland, Oregon, home of the Ashland Shakespeare Festival. Unfortunately, I am not here to see Shakespeare. I am here for work. But uh, broadcasting live from a hotel has been done before. I will do it tonight, and I'm super excited to talk about these games, especially the one that I just played last night. I played a round of away missions myself last night, so let's get to it. Well, let's dive right in. Um, I want to start off with uh, Star Trek uh, Into the Unknown. This is the, the newest game that's out there, and there's, there's, a lot of, um, there's a lot of debate, there's a lot of concern, and there's a lot of talk about this game, which is why I think it's important that we talk about it. WizKids is best known for producing Star Trek Attack Wing. Well, about 10 years ago, maybe? It's been around for a while. Um, and, you know, COVID came, blah, blah, blah. And uh, then Josh turned around and did Star Trek Alliance. Box 3 just recently came out. And we had him on the podcast. Uh, WizKids did not do to Attack Wing what was done to X-Wing. They didn't throw everything out and come out with a 2.0. Uh, they stayed true and faithful to that system, and that's great. So Attack Wing is its own standalone game. This game, Into Darkness, or not Into Darkness, Into the Unknown, has no affiliation with Star Trek Attack Wing at all other than WizKids is producing it. So this is not a Star Trek Amada 2 or a Star Trek Attack Wing 2.0. I've heard it referred to as Star Trek Armada. It's not that either. Um, this is a completely new, different game. So um, it is neither one of those two things. It has its own individual movement tool, which I've seen. There's this video kicking around on Facebook, which I hope I hope everybody has watched. Otherwise, it will be difficult to talk about this game, where you move your ship a number of inches, and then you have a turning tool that you put on the end of your ship, and you can rotate it in any any direction that you want to actually rotate your ship. So you can conceivably move your ship in any direction, which I think is really cool. Um, what else do we know about the game? Um, it's going to retail for $149. And the, the first set that's going to come out is called Federation versus the Dominion, the core set. It's unknown at this time whether or not there will be future core sets, but I think that there will be. Uh, because the core set comes with a Galaxy-class starship, which has a removable saucer section, which is pretty cool. Um, it comes with a Constellation-class starship, which you guys may be aware of would be the USS Stargazer. That's right, the Stargazer, and the USS Defiant. 
for the Dominion, we're going to get a Jem'Hadar battlecruiser and two Jem'Hadar fighters, which would be the bugs. Um, you get the, the learning guide, a rule book, three acrylic range rulers, 15 acrylic system markers, two turning tools, 12 custom dice, 24 mission cards, 30 officer cards, 30 damage cards, assorted tokens, and 30 equipment directive and other unit cards. So you're going to get a lot in the box for this game. And the one thing that I want to say is that WizKids has another game out right now. Um, and I hate, I hate using other games to describe other games. Because if you haven't played the other game, it means nothing to you. But right now they have a game out called Dungeons & Dragons Onslaught. And you guys know that WizKids is really big on their clicks, their hero clicks game. So Dungeons & Dragons uses a hero card, which is extremely similar to what we're going to see for the Starship card in this game. Each one of the stats has a dial that you can turn, and then turning it up or turning it down will change the stats of your character in the game, like if you take damage or if you use a potion or, you know, whatever. Based on what I've seen of the card, ship cards for this game, it looks extremely similar to Dungeons & Dragons. You have an alert status for your ship, blue alert, yellow alert, green alert, red alert, and you can you can change the alert status of your ship. When you do that, it changes the stats of your ship, like makes your shield stronger, arms your weapons, makes you more maneuverable, whatever. Each ship is different than every other ship, and each ship has their own individual damage decks, which is also pretty cool. Each ship has points, energy points. Each ship can produce so much energy. That energy can be used to do different things on your ship, turn different dials, move officers around from location to location, uh, fire torpedoes, whatever. So each ship has a certain amount of energy that they can be used to do different things. I think that's pretty cool. Um, you also have officers on your ship. And we're not just talking about commanders, but you have a medical officer, you have a helmsman, you have an engineer. There's six different stations where you can place your officers. And depending on what station your officer is at, determines what that officer can do. And uh, I don't have any information on that at all because I, I, I blew up the screen to try to read it, but it got too blurry. So I, I have no information on what those different stations do. But you can move your officers around to these different stations to get different bonuses during your round. The game is going to be based on combat, objectives, and missions, which is really cool. And uh, what else do I know about it? The, the torpedo. From what I saw in the video, when you fire a torpedo, uh, the torpedo detonates based on how long of a fuse you put on the torpedo, which is an interesting game mechanic if you think about it. Uh, but torpedoes can be shot down as well. So you got to bear that in mind. Um, each ship 
has different weapons, and each weapon has its own firing arc, which is also pretty cool. Um, so the Defiant has mega phases, which can fire uh, forward, aft, and starboard. Uh, torpedoes, which can fire forward and aft as well, and regular phasers. So the, the Defiant has three different weapons that can be fired. I don't know about the Stargazer or the Jem'Hadar battleship. I couldn't read the cards. But each ship also has different shield designations as well. Um, you have forward, aft, port, and starboard shields. And based on the video that I saw, you can use the energy in your ship to move shields from one side to another. So if someone is shooting at the rear of your ship where the shields are weakest, you can use the energy in your ship to divert some of those shields from the forward to aft, for instance. Um, so the, the game mechanics seem very interesting as well. Um, what else do we know? Um, I think that's pretty much everything that we know, but I wanted to talk with my truck spurts about it, see what you guys think about the game and the video. Oh, one more thing. The ships come in three different sizes. They're not exactly to scale, but the Enterprise and the Jem'Hadar battleship are six inches, and uh, as I already said, the Enterprise can come apart, so you can use the saucer section and the star drive as two independent ships. The um, Constellation is what they call a medium-based ship, and the Defiant and the, the Bugs are small ships. They're on a small base. They have three different sizes of ships in this game. So they're not exactly the scale, but they're more scaled than not scaled. And they come pre-painted and pre-assembled, which I'm so happy about. So that's everything that's known so far about Star Trek Into the Unknown. And who wants to jump in and share their thoughts on this and what you what, what you think, what you'd like to see? What I about can jump you, David? in. Oh, or or ahead, Eric, David. yeah. Or David, Eric, anybody? Yeah, I'll go ahead and start. So uh, uh, that was a great uh, intro there, Jim. It uh, gives a lot of ideas about what is included. So you said that the the starter set that they're going to put out is 150 bucks. You get six ships with it, I think is what it says. Yeah, six ships. Yeah. And um, I think, so just at a very high level, let's talk about the quality of the models. So um, there is an unofficial Facebook group for this game right now, and it's actually populated by a bunch of people from the Star Trek Attack Wing community. So if you are interested in learning more about this game, there is a preview pack out there that at least one person has opened. So you can see all of the components and stuff. And the first thing that I really noticed was that the detail on the models is so much more finite than it is in the Attack Wing models. Um, there was this great picture that uh, Jerry Brown posted of both the bug uh, from uh, Into the Unknown compared against the Attack Wing Bug and the Defiant compared against the Attack Wing Defiant. And there's just no comparison. The Into the Unknown models look way, way better. They have way more detail in terms of the number of cuts and stuff they have. The color schemes look better. The the actual mold color looks better. Even the, the details, like the, the little stripes and the little USS Defiant and all that sort of stuff, looks pretty good. So I must say that so far I'm fairly impressed with the quality of the models, at least the little bit that I've seen. So I'm very excited about that. I know that um, the models have been kind of a 
a big thing that people have loved about Attack Wing for years. And in fact, sometimes people would just buy extra packs just to have the models so they could custom paint the models. So um, I'm excited to have models that look like not only do they come really cool pre-painted, but they have a ton of detail on them that might look nice with a little ink wash or something. Um, the second thing that I'll say is that absolutely what you said, Jim, this is not a competitor or a replacement for Star Trek Attack Wing. So Star Trek Attack Wing is essentially a dogfight game, right? It's it, Your goal is to kill the other player across the table from you, kill their ships, and to do it one at a time and to try and get as many of their ships dead while keeping as many of your ships alive. And that's pretty much what there is to it. Now, Star Trek Attack Wing for a long time did have organized play events, and sometimes those would have little missions here or there, um, but really, they were always kind of lackluster, and in the end, you just ended up trying to kill each other. So <laughs> this game is not that. Um, this game, however, does to me look fairly complex or less complex than other games that are out there, but, man, there's a lot to keep track of. Um, there's some good pictures of the ship uh, cards and kind of what they look like, and there are these sort of rotating dials on the ship cards that that help you keep track of certain stats. There are a ton of different types of cards and upgrades and people and all that sort of stuff. So there's a lot to keep track of. There's a ton of little um, uh, kits, you know, to put on things, little cardboard things that represent different things to, to put on your cards. So I guess once you learn it, then you're all set. But the learning curve might be a little steep uh, at the beginning, just which is not a bad thing. But, you know, it just might take a little while for everybody to kind of get clued into this game. Now, what would I like to see? What's that? Did you notice oh, that you have an Andorian officer that you can put on your starship? Yes, I did, and that was pretty cool. It seems like there are factions in the game, right? And so, yeah, the the cards that were shown online, there were a couple of Andorians. There was a, um, oh, who's the guy that cuts the hair on DS9? What race is he? The guy with the seam down the middle of his face. That's a Bolian. Bolian. Bolian, yep. yeah. So there's a Bolian and a couple other races. So I think that's pretty cool. Uh, you've got, uh, I think this is very interesting. So this is supposed to be a Dominion War um, themed game, I think. But... It's season one Cisco. <laughs> like, it's not bald Dominion War Cisco. It's like other Cisco. So, or maybe it's in between Cisco. He's got hair and a goatee. So I'm trying to think of when that happened. Was that season two, maybe? Season three? I don't know. It just was funny that they didn't use, like, season six uh, Cisco in, in that, um, since that's kind of the theme of it. Uh, what would I like to see? Uh I just hope the missions are cool, man. I hope they, I hope that they have things that I can do to win the game without killing my opponent. I think that that, hopefully, you know, killing your opponent is either an extra thing you can do or a thing you can do to make other things happen. But I hope it's not the main objective, um, because honestly, if if that's the case, then I'll just play Attack Wing. <laughs> like uh, Attack Wing is an extremely good uh, jousting game, you know, and it's got its problems here and there with card pricing and whatnot, but a lot has been done by the community to kind of pick up the slack that WizKids has left behind as they have chosen not to support that game anymore. The thing that I'm most sad about, I guess, is I kind of feel like this game does put the final 
nail in the coffin of a tackling. I think that we've been kind of thinking for years that we probably weren't going to get much more. We got Alliance. Um, but we've talked to Josh on the show here, and so far from what we know, Josh is not aware of any more Alliance stuff that's actually in the hopper. So I think this is our new direction, and um, it seems like it's got a lot of cool variety to it, but just a lot to keep track of. So I think there's more to talk about, but I want to I give the other guys a chance. So um, I don't know, Charles or, or David, have you guys take a look at this? What do you think? Uh, yeah, Charles, if you want to go ahead. Go ahead I Charles. was trying to trying to kind of watch the demonstration video, but it was a, it was at a convention hall, and so it was hard to hear what they were saying at times. Now there is one thing right off the bat that confuses me. Eric says this is probably Dominion War set. Was the Stargazer in the Dominion War? Yeah. No, uh, it it was, but like not as a main part, which is kind of interesting. Why they can, why they chose to make that a main feature of this pack. I mean, I think it's yeah. cool because I think the Stargazer is a really cool looking ship. Glad to have a detailed version of it. J- uh, Jim, do you remember when it was seen? I believe it was at the beginning during that one of those first. Um, uh, yeah, it's, it's at the somewhere. You, you see one get blown up in the Battle of Chintaka, but I think, exactly. I think the reason why they, I think they did that to balance the game off, you know, because if they had thrown in an Excelsior or, you know, a, a more powerful ship, I think it would throw off the balance between the Dominion and the Federation. And honestly, uh, we need a good model of the Stargazer because that was the one complaint about Attack Wing, yeah, this little tiny micro ship, you know. Now we have a nice model of the Stargazer, which is cool. Mm-hmm. But to address, I just wanted to address something about the game. I have played um, Dungeons and Dragons Onslaught with my daughter quite a bit. And this game seems extremely, and I mean very, very, very similar to that. And it sounds like a lot of rules, but everything you need to know is on your dials. The biggest thing is just getting to know what your dials tell you, um, you know, where to move, where to fire, what your energy is. Everything is right on your card. And once you get a, a hang of what that all does, I think you'll, you'll pick it up real, real quick and real easy. I mean, I must say, Jim, I do like that concept. Um, it seems much more like Star Trek where you have your engines, right, and your engines produce energy, and as the captain – you choose what to do with your energy on your ship. Do you put it to shields? Do you put it to your computing power? Do you put it to some other system? And so the fact that they put that in the game, I think, is pretty interesting because it is something that was missing from Attack Wing. And the shields on multiple sides is really cool, too. David and I have been playing for like a year with a, a variant of Attack Wing that he made up that had four-sided shields. And I just think that is such a cool idea because you should be able to have four-sided shields. You should be able to shift shields from forward to rear to port to whatever. Yeah, I really want to get my hands on this preview kit so I can read the rules myself uh, and take a look at Mm -hmm. it. uh, Charles is right. Video is really hard to hear and, and try to understand it because it's so noisy in that hall. So, Jim, since you played Onslaught, maybe you can give us maybe a little bit more information about the, the movement. So it feels, it felt to me as I was watching that video that 
the movement, well, it's not fussy per se, but it feels pretty inaccurate. Like, because you, you, you sort of move your ship twice, right? You, you put your dot, you put your length ruler out and you sort of move your ship and then you put the little thing. I mean, you don't physically move the ship twice, but it's multiple moves at the same time. Is there, are there inaccuracies, I guess, in the movement that, well, the you know, thing with the, with this particular game, your, um, your firing arcs aren't like they are on attack wing. You don't have a 90 or a 180. All of the ships have but various. The, but the bases show a 90 degree firing arc on the front though. So that's not used. Well, that's, that 90-degree arc on the front is where you put the movement uh, template to rotate the ship to whichever uh, facing you want, not for the weapons. The arcs of the weapons are listed on the ship card that tells you where your mega phasers can fire or whatnot. But you use your energy, for instance, you're going to move eight inches on the movement die. You don't have to move all eight. You can move any anything you want up to eight. And you put that little dial on your ship, and you just slide the ship up to the eight. And then you put that little turning dial on the end of your ship, rotate it 90 degrees to the port, starboard, whatever, and then you rotate the ship. And that's it. You move. Now, the one thing I'm not clear about is, do you move the ship first and then rotate it, or can you rotate it, then move it? I, that I don't know. I haven't seen the rules. Mm-hmm. But that's all that I can't answer. But yeah. Well, and it'll be the, it'll be go the, ahead. Go ahead. The ships based are based on the on range, like like the range ruler in Attack Wing. When you, you want to fire your phasers, they have to be you have to be within an inch of the target to do that. So you know, and you you do have initiative as well. So once the other player moves. And then you move, you might, you might, you know, be out of their torpedo range, and they might be in your phaser range. Also, each ship has its own individual damage deck, and different parts of different ships are more vulnerable than other parts, which is, I think, is really cool too. You know, it looks to me like the ship bases are maybe a bit bigger and maybe a little heavier than the attack wing bases too, which I think would be a big plus because. You know, Attack Wing has its good parts and its bad parts, but one of its bad parts is definitely that the bases are too light compared to the heaviness of the ships. You put that Enterprise D on an Attack Wing base, and that puppy just wants to tip forward every single time you move it. So to have a longer, thicker plastic bases looks a little bit more stable. The bases have little spots to put markers in, and Uh they didn't really... In the video, they never really used those or explained what what markers go in those those bases. But I'm sure, you know, they're they're not there for no reason. You know, it's just they didn't demonstrate that. I didn't think that that demo was very well done because they didn't explain a lot of the stuff. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it was a little off the cuff. It felt like they sort of sat down to play, and then the guy was like, oh, shoot, I should probably record this, um, because we didn't get any rules explanation. We didn't get any setup. We sort of were dropped right into the middle of it. I'm happy to have it. Yeah. We did get to see it played, but it was pretty hard to follow. Yeah. Yeah, it was. 
But it, I, it, it really pumped me up and made me think, wow, i got to find out more about this game. It looked, it, I want to see some Klingons. <laughs> that's what I want. <laughs> well, I think, well, Jim, I think that's a great question, you know, that is one of the prime questions that I have about this game. It's like, okay, I buy a $150 uh, starter set. Um, I'm going to play that, you know, six or seven times with my friends, and by then I'm probably going to wish I had more ships. And so what does or what do expansions look like? Are they going to do single ship expansions? Are they going to do three-pack ship expansions? Are they all going to be faction-based? So, like, you buy a Klingon expansion, or, you know, they, they haven't really given us any information about that, and I feel like for a game to be successful, if they really want to build a lot of energy around the game, and they mm-hmm. really want people to be excited about it coming out, they need to tell us what the future of the game looks like up front. And I know that that's hard to do because they need to sell a certain number of starter sets before they even know if they can do expansions. But if they can at least give us an idea, then we would know where it's headed. And I think that would be helpful. Yeah, I'm just going to be happy if they ever come out with an Akira class trip. That would be fun. Uh, well, you want a speedrunner, let's be honest. <laughs> I think... <laughs> Uh, you know, with Attack Wing, they put out ships and cards, and then they started out putting out card packs only. With this particular game, I think they have options to do ships. Uh, they could just do card packs and give you new officers because the way you play your ship, the way you fly your ship, is going to be dependent on the officers you have to put on that ship. So... I don't know if this set comes with just your basic generic officers, like Andorian 1 and Andorian 2, or do we have a Picard and a Wharf? And a, are we going to have specific people? Because I would think yeah. that that putting Picard on a ship is going to be a lot different than putting Andorian officer number one on the ship, for instance. Yeah, we have seen we have seen some cards, Jim, and we do have Picard in this game. We do have Cisco in this game, we've got the Bolian, and then we do we do have some generic people like um, Redoubtable Engineer, Vigilant Security Officer, Daring First yeah. Officer. So you know, a couple named guys and then a bunch of generic guys probably. And I I, I do also know that um, similar to what they did in Attack Wing, you get points to build your ship. So you need to decide: do you want to spend nine points? On, on Picard or do you want to spend four points on you know awesome security chief and Mr. Engineer so you need to decide how many points you want to spend and what you want to spend them on so there is some element of deck building in this game as well I'm excited about that because it's one of the best parts of Attack Wing is the deck building aspect um, you know if you play Attack Wing you have all of these options for how to run the same ships over and over again and making your different ships do different things. So I agree, Jim. A card pack could be okay uh, as an expansion thing. I will say the card packs were fairly unpopular for Attack Wing because, okay, so you get a few new cards, but, you know, so many people were wishing that they at least had a dial or they at least had a base or they at least had a ship base or something like that. It felt like the card packs were constantly coming with, I wish it had more type statements. So, 
uh, I don't know, that felt like an experiment, and they put out a few of them, and they sort of worked, and they sort of didn't work. So it'll be interesting to see if they go that same direction with this. Me, personally, I love the models, right? I want to fly the Defiant tomorrow. I want to fly a Borcha the next day. I want to fly the Daredex the next day because I love that variety. So I hope that they do put out actual really cool detailed models like these ones for the other factions. I'd love to see some, some you know, Herodians in here or some of the other cool races that we see in Attack. I mean, I'd love to see those brothers. So I wonder if they're going to put out uh, expansions like they did with Star Trek Armada where they have a three-ship expansion type of a thing. So what do they do for... Well, what do they do for Onslaught? I have never played that game, so I have no context. Well, do they have expansion Onslaught, packs? You buy, you buy a faction pack that has six models and everything you need for a particular faction, and you buy that and you play that. In the, you can use five of the six models in your, in your party, and you All buy right. the entire you... party. And then they have these other things, these other races you can buy, which are like uh, rogues, mercenaries, that will fight with anybody that pays them. And they can be used in any army. I like that idea. I don't don't know who that would be in Star Trek, but (laughs) I really like that. The Ferengi? (laughs) Maybe, yeah. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) But, uh, David, what what do you think about this game? Did you get a chance to watch the video? Uh, yeah, I did, and I agree with you all. It is really hard to hear. It was really hard to follow, and it wasn't a very good view either. I couldn't really see much of what was happening. But uh, other than that, I'm I'm expecting more videos to come out, especially once the game comes out. People are going to be on YouTube all over the place. So whether you have the game or not, there's probably going to be rule booklets even online that you could probably download for a link. So to me, I'm kind of like... I'm going to be more of a patient uh, scenario kind of guy where I'm just going to wait and see what the game turned out to be before I decide to spend that much. Because <laughs> that does seem like a lot of money for my pocket right now. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm actually really excited about this game because, honestly, uh, I was hoping for a game similar to this that Attack Wing should have had done in a way. But um, I... I uh, I'm I'm really interested in the concept of how the Dominion will work because we already know a little bit what the Federation will do. So I was thinking, like the whole changeling aspect of the game. I thought maybe it would be interesting if there was like an infiltrator on the enemy ship or something. So I don't know how that mechanic will work, but if there is anything like that, I don't know. But it would be interesting to find out like uh, different ideas for this game that I mean, I'm already getting ideas sorry Eric but I got more ideas for the attack wing that we've been doing but uh, um, yeah so uh, I can I can see that there's going to be a lot of house rules too that are going to be involved especially when people play this game they're going to be like it's way too complicated probably but I don't know. There's, I can just see that happening over time and when new expansions do come out yeah, I, I can't wait for that because more scripts are better. I, I'm I'm a ship model person, so <laughs> yeah. Uh, other than that, I'm 
I'm intrigued. I I, uh, I I liked the way they did the movement. I thought it was interesting, and the torpedo mechanics. Um, the only thing that I didn't really like was the phasers wings. I thought that was really small for some reason. I mean, uh, from what I understand, you're supposed to be playing this game in a three by three grid or something uh, measurements, and it's just like those ships are really huge. It's just like what? It's not a lot of room to move around. Up. So I don't know. Is that? Am I getting that right? Is it only a three by three like attack wing? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a three yeah. by three table, but then like in that preview they just they actually set up a really small area with just kind of those circular templates. I was wondering if that was a normal part of the game if you if you sort of set up that pseudo circle every single time or not. Yeah, I, I thought that was really small for some reason for a ship that big. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I, I there's a lot of things I I guess that are gonna be probably just having to wait to see what it's like because honestly, I, there was not much information on my end, anyways. I didn't even know it's going to cost 150 bucks. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm, un, I'm unclear as to whether this is a like you sit down and you play a game and that's it for that game, or whether it's a campaign style where you build off of the last thing that you did. It, it, it's both. You can play a one off game or a campaign. And they're going to have OP okay. events as well. So, yeah, so one so thing I, I forgot can... to mention is this this is a points-based game. So whoever scores the most points wins the game, and the points are scored differently depending on the mission that you're playing. So, so for instance, the game that they played online, if you went in guns heavy to attack your opponent and you went in under red alert, you automatically lost two points to start just for going in aggressively. So to Eric's point, the the game is not going to be strictly combat because you're going to, you'll be penalized for, for that. So, you know, I did notice that at the beginning of the game. Yeah. So OP so. events seem like they will be, it, it'll be a really good game for OP events because it involves deck building and involves customization and at least at the beginning, it doesn't involve you being rich enough to buy the best models. Like, you just have to have the starter set to start with. So, um, Attack Wing, in some ways, like, suffered not only from poorly priced cards, but then eventually things got really expensive, and it sort of was just hard for people to get a hold of the game. So, if people dig this game, and if it's successful, I hope they print plenty of copies, because we do not need what we have in the Attack Wing world right now, which is, if you don't own a Voyager, and you want a Voyager, I hope you got 100 bucks. That's what it's like. awesome. So, Charles, what about you? Uh, we haven't heard a lot. What do you think so far? Uh, I'm agreeing with David coming in with a little bit of precaution because okay, game expanse and popularity. I just attended the semi-annual gaming auction at my local game store. And what did I see? A whole bunch of, as I termed it, MCU. Uh, Marvel Crisis Protocol. All kinds of people were selling the stuff because the game just isn't getting a lot of action. Some people just aren't getting a chance to play it. And I've seen a lot of Attack Wing stuff go up in these auctions 
And I just worry. It's like, okay, I spent 150 bucks for a game. Yeah, we're having trouble getting the LP kit, and nobody's playing it. There's a Star Wars game out coming out right now that it's like, I'm going to sit back. I'll watch them play it for now because I don't want to start investing in a game that's not going anywhere. So I want to be very careful to seeing what's going to happen with this game, see if there's much interest, and see what players are out there, and see what support they're giving it before I put too much into it. Yeah, Charles, for the price, I mean, you you could say that it's a good value to get six ships for 150 bucks, and, like, you know, nobody would argue that if you get a big, giant box that's really heavy that contains a lot of stuff, it's probably worth 150 bucks. But then there's a whole contingent of people that are going to say, 150 bucks? I don't care how good the game is. That's too much, right? That's my entry for Right. So That's why I like the Tack Wings initial boxes because initial boxes for 40 bucks 50 bucks yeah 40 bucks yeah 40 50 dollars that was a good initial thing so it's like the initial buy-in on this one is Kingsman but I agree a lot of games are starting up expensive as example of uh, I'll mention a Star Trek game or Star Wars game Shatterpoint that initial box is still a hundred and some dollars. And then if you want the other factions, you've got to start buying other figures. And I don't see that much action going on the one night I'm at the game store. And I don't want to sit there and say, Oh, I got a block off I got a block off a one Saturday every month so that we can see that so I can play the game. Well, I want to. I want to say one thing about that, Charles. I saw that game. I was thinking about that game. I used to play Legion, but I'm going to tell you something, and this is just for me. I want to play a game. I don't want to spend hours of aggravating time trying to glue arms and legs on models and then having to paint them with magnifying glasses. That's not enjoyable for me, and that's why I stopped playing Legion and I didn't get into Shatterpoint because I want to open the box and play the game. I don't want to spend the rest of my life gluing together 10,000 little pieces and painting them. Like in Shatterpoint, this game is along the lines of attack wings. Take it out of the box. You want to repaint the ships. Well, you can. You don't have to. So for me, I like that aspect that I don't have to assemble and paint all these models. So I like that aspect. Um, but before we run out of time, Derek, you want to talk a little bit about uh, the Wolf 359? Uh, away Missions, yeah, Star Trek Away Missions. Uh, this is my new favorite game, you guys. Uh, this game is super cool. So Star Trek Away Missions is essentially a miniatures board game. I think the core set is 55 or 60 bucks. It comes with two teams. you got a Federation team and you got a Borg team. And you're, you're solving, basically you have a, a couple of decks that you deal with. You've got a deck of support cards that give you things that make your um, make getting points more easy. And then you have a uh, objective deck, uh, a mission deck. Uh, 
and essentially you complete those missions or those objectives to score points. And whoever scores the most points wins. So it takes place over three rounds. Uh, it's very similar to some other miniatures games in that you've got things like movement actions and attack actions and um, you know hunker down type actions where it increases your defense. Um, but I'll just say that I feel like this game right now has, not only does it right out of the core box have a lot of complexity to it, it comes, each team comes with a core deck. So uh, you get 20, 20 mission cards and 20 support cards. And then each team also has a second deck that it comes with that you could swap cards in and out. So basically when you buy the core set, you get your base deck for both teams, and you get 20 extra cards in, for both support and mission for each team. So you can really customize how you want to play your team right out of the box for 50 or 60 bucks. So that I totally like. The game also only takes place over three rounds, so you get in and out in about an hour once you know how to play the game. So I like kind of how quick it is, but it's got layers of complexity. I don't feel like you have to be able to play Twilight Imperium <laughs> to play this game. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, don't worry about it. But if you could play any kind of like basic level, um, what I'll call Euro game, you know, something more than Monopoly, but less than Twilight Imperium, you can probably play this game. Uh, it's very easy to understand. Everything's right on the cards, easily readable. I'll say that out of the box, the Federation is absolutely the easier team to play. It is fairly quick and easy to score points with them, do it very quickly, use uh, people like Data who, have, who are amazing in every single one of their stats to great effect. But the Borg out of the box has an interesting mechanic whereby all of the drones are essentially the same. So let's say you take an action with one of five, and now one of five can't take any more actions because they've already taken actions. Well, guess what? when two of five goes to take an action, they can actually take that action with one of five. And so you can park a drone, for example, in front of a terminal and keep accessing that terminal over and over and over again because they're bored and they're nasty. I still haven't figured out how to win with the Borg, <laughs> but they are fun to play. So um, this game, for me, combines like the coolness of Heroclix but with more complexity in terms of the different things that, that you can do because it has missions that have specific objectives you have to take uh, and actually complete. But it also has deck building because you are the one who set up your decks at the beginning and there's card drawing and you know drawing more cards or discarding and getting new cards is always an action. So that adds randomness to the game. So for me, I am totally digging on this game right now. Uh, it's got the core set and a Klingon expansion out right now. There's also a Romulan expansion out right now, the Sela expansion, which is pretty cool. Um, as I understand, there is a Duras Klingon expansion coming out, and there's a Captain Picard Federation expansion coming out. And then I got a little preview, I got a little picture sent to me by a friend of mine who uh, has already seen the inside of the OP kit, the upcoming OP kit, not only will it allow you to get a Q figure, um, but it also has a cool advertisement for other expansions coming up. It looks like we might be getting some POS characters eventually. So this is what I'm talking about, guys. Now, I know Into the Unknown has just been previewed, but here we are. Away Missions has just come out, 
It already has two expansions available, two more immediately coming out, and they've advertised another one. So that's what I'm talking about in terms of like building excitement, getting people to buy into the game because they know as they go down the line, it'll be easy to expand it and make it more fun to play with different options. So there you go. I've played the game three times so far, and I've absolutely loved it every single time I've played it. Have any of you guys had a chance yet to play it? Yeah, so I have not. Basically, you you got to decide whether you're going to play a Borg ship or a Federation ship because there is there is a Borg side, which is cool. Yeah, so there are four boards that you set up at the beginning, and you roll a dice for who sets up the boards, and one side of the boards is a Federation side, and one side of the boards is a Borg ship side. So, yeah, you can choose, and they're pretty much the same. It doesn't really matter which one you choose, but it gives you a different aesthetic for the game. And it's it's really easy, uh, the rules, because um, say you're going to fire at a, an opponent, it doesn't matter if they're around a corner. You, you As long as you have line of sight to the space that an opponent is in, you can shoot them. It's that simple. Yep. You don't have to worry about range. You don't have to worry about hiding behind a table. Is there a plant obstructing the view? It doesn't matter, um, but which makes things a lot easier. Same thing for movement. It does. It, it also has melee weapons. So you, you have phasers that will shoot as far as you want, but melee weapons usually do a ton of damage, but only in the adjacent space. So more yeah. balance and, is a good example. And you, you, you have a turbo lift. So you can get in a turbo lift on one end of the board and come out on a turbo lift at the other end of the board, which, yeah, so these which is a cool boards, mechanic. These four boards that you get are configurable. So when you lay them out, you can. they're probably a, not an infinite number, but certainly many, many different ways you can lay out the board. And wherever, however you lay out the boards, there are always these turbo lift spaces. So like Jim's saying, you can bounce. It's like Clue when you go in the corner and you can end up on the other side of the board. It's like that. The Federation also has yeah. cards that allow them to lay down uh, transporter enhancers, which basically allow them to beam straight out of any spot that they're in. Which is cool. Man, I'm excited to play this. Mm-hmm. You, uh, you have your equipment cards as well. You have your decks. Yep. And what's interesting about the decks is you can give yourself phaser rifles, uh, hypo sprays, uh, tricorders, all this equipment, you can use it. But what you need to decide is, do you want to use your cards to enhance your your team, or do you want to use your cards to re-roll your dice? Um, we haven't, we didn't talk yeah. about that. So let's say we that didn't. let's say that Eric has got Lacutus, you know, and I have Gowron, and I want to kill Lacutus. So I come up to Lacutus with my Batlet, and I roll my dice. And I kill Locutus. Locutus rolls his defense dice, and he blows the roll. And he and I I do a mass amount of damage. Eric can actually use cards in his deck to re-roll his dice until you have no cards. Yeah, and Jim, you need to determine. <laughs> yeah. And Jim, that can actually happen back and forth. So, for example, let's say that you rolled with Gowron, and you felt like your roll was pretty good, but it wasn't amazing. But you felt like it was pretty good. And then I do my roll, and I'm like, oh, my roll sucks. I discard and re-roll. Suddenly I get a better roll than you. Well, guess what? Now you can go back and discard a card and re-roll your dice if you'd like. And we basically go back and forth until both teams 
accept the results. So you can really yeah. burn cards in different in different ways, you know, either as cards or as um, as rebuilds. So I think that's and really cool. uh, the board can assimilate characters, and then they become a board, <laughs> which is cool. This is one of the coolest aspects of this game, Jim. So, you know, each one of your characters has a little cardboard plate you put in front of you, and if a board assimilates a Federation player, there is a separate uh, cardboard template that you put over the template for the Federation player. So, for example, if I assimilate Shelby. I take Shelby's card, and now I place the board template over the top of that, and now Shelby is an instantly active board drone that I can use. Yeah, and uh, something else I want to point out about this game is on the cards that Eric is talking about, there's a little yellow page that go on the board for damage, movement, um, intelligence, well, not intelligence, but uh, No, it's, it's attack, defense, and skill. And then and skill, that's it. Attack, skill. Skill move, so yeah. if I attack you and you take three damage, you decide what pegs you want to remove. When there's no pegs left on your card, you're dead. It's that simple, really. Yeah, just to like elaborate on what Jim's saying. So let's say that Shelby has a base attack of one, but when you put her little pips on her at the beginning of the game, one of those pips goes in an extra slot and gives her an attack of two. When Shelby takes damage, you decide which pips to remove. So you can decide, oh, does her skill get worse as she gets damaged? Or does her attack get worse as she gets damaged? Or does her defense get worse as she gets damaged? So it allows you to kind of customize how people are taking damage to allow you to kind of extend their life. Of course, board drones, they have the ability to come back to you and get resurrected. Right. And is, there, is there a healing mechanic? Yeah. There is yeah. not. Uh, what's that? Yes, there is. Oh. What is the healing yeah. mechanic? If you, have a hypo, if you have a hypo spray and, you're, uh, and the character is in, is in sick bay, then yes, you can heal them. Ah. Uh-huh. So think about it in terms of clue guys, where you have to be in the right space at the right terminal to do the right thing. Yeah. yeah. And the right time don't with forget, the Well, you only have three rounds, and then do you want to waste your actions and your time to get the sick babe to revive that particular character? I mean, it's all how your game plays, basically. Yeah. So before we run out of time here, uh, the Federation obviously is a well-rounded. The Romulans are more sneaky, and the Klingons are more honor-bound. So the Klingons want to just come in with their batlets and slice and dice you. That's where they get their points, by killing you. Um, they get honor points. And so I, as a Klingon player, I want to kill as many feds as I can to get my honor. Romulans don't <laughs> want to fight. They want to sneak around and infiltrate the opponent. The Federation... They're right in the middle. They can fight. They, they, they can pretty much do, do a little bit of everything pretty well. And the Borg, they just want to assimilate you. That, that's their strong point. And so assimilate parts You of have the to ship. pick a faction that you want to play that fits your play style. Yep. Yep. And like I said, out of, the box, the board, out of the box, the Borg are fairly hard to play because um, I think what people want to do in a game like this is they have a natural propensity to want to attack each other. 
And what's become very clear to me in playing this game is that it's not all about killing the other guy. It's about doing these missions. And the only reason that you really attack other people is if they're in your way. Or if getting rid of them will give you some sort of advantage. But really, it's all about scoring the cards. So this is not a this is not primarily a combat game. I would say this is primarily a sit and plan your move, and once you have a good move, execute the move, and then your opponent does the same thing, and it's back and forth. Huh. So, Charles, what did you think? Did you get a chance to open yours yet? Charles? Nope, you're muted, Charles. We can't hear you. Oh, I can't hear you. Did we lose Charles? Okay. Maybe we lost him. Charles? Uh-oh. I guess we lost Charles. No, you, okay. did, you didn't lose me. I guess find my phone. It's under a cat. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so, Charles, did you get a chance to take no, a look I, at your set yet or, or take a look at your Romulan? I've only gotten the box open enough to look at the figures. I have not really gotten in and looked at the rule book yet because I just just got done Friday there was they didn't realize they should have ordered it so I finally got them to order it then there was a delay because the order the person the person at Alliance processing the order was out fixed so the order didn't make it the first week <coughs> One thing I did like about the figures is you kind of look at the figures thinking, wait a minute, which Borg is which? Oh, look at the face and look at their name. Because right in the back of every figure sits the character, the, the figure's name. So it's an easy way to tell ones apart. And Charles, I'll just pick- mention... I'll just mention, since you said that, that the figures do have a funny style to them. I call them chibi style because they have these really big heads. It's not quite bobblehead, but they, the, the proportions are a little bit off. And I have read that the reason that they did that was that it makes the faces and everything a little bit easier to recognize. So while that might not be a problem with your Federation team because everybody can tell more from Shelby, it might be a little bit more of a problem if you're not a Romulan and you think all Romulans look the same, for example. Just an easier way to keep that's track of them along right the way. That, that, I know it is. It is. It totally is. But you know what? I'm, so what I'm pointy. What Charles was saying. Charles is talking about the name on the base. Also, that's why the faces are bigger, so that you can kind of use both to keep track right. of the characters. But it's nice the fact that you can look at the fig, look at the figure, and see which the, which is the figure also. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I can look through all the figures, like, oh, okay, that's the cutest. But I can see who the other Borg were. They paint really nicely, too. I started painting my Borg, and I primed them just with regular primer and started painting them, and they're super easy to paint. So if you don't want just plain plastic figures and you like to paint them, these accept paint very nicely. So my only complaint and this isn't really a complaint more than, than a, a request or a hope or a wish or whatever, is the, the game can be played with up to four players. However, there's a catch. However, um, if you buy just one core set, you can only play 1v1. If you want to play more players, 
you have to buy a new, another core set because you need to have two more starting uh, wares. So I really yeah. wish that they had put enough. I wish they had put those two extra squares in the core set so that you could play Klingon, Romulan, Borg, and Federation all together. You can't do that out of the box. That's my only drawback. And that's even not even a big one. But hopefully they will sell future, uh, what would you call those, Eric? Squares? Game squares? I don't know. The, the, well, the, the, the player boards. Yeah, there are four boards. Player boards. So it would be, yeah. So actually, Jim, that's a really good point because what I was, one thing that I was actually disappointed in is when I bought my Romulan expansion, I thought my Romulan expansion was going to come with the Romulan dice because in the core set you get special Federation dice that go with your Federation team and you get special board dice that go with your board team. But when you buy the expansions, they sell you the dice separately. So you can expect to pay for both the expansion and an extra five bucks for the dice if you want the special dice. What? Well, I know. Well, the reason, well let me, Eric, the reason the if dice you have are separate, Star Trek. <laughs> the reason yes. the dice are separate is because they come out of the, they can be used in two different games. Well, they're ascendancy dice. Yeah. yeah. They're ascendancy dice. Yeah, they're ascendancy dice. It's true, but, you know, I mean, I own ascendancy, but not everybody does, right? So I guess I just I just wanted to make sure that people understood if they go to buy an expansion, they're not going to get the special dice like they did in the course set. They're going to get cards, and they're going to get figures, and that's it. Right. Right, but overall, though, overall, um, it's a fun game. It's a quick game. Yeah, this game, this about, game is a, about an hour. It's only an hour, and to me, like, this game is really, it's like a 9.5 for me because it's short, it's complex, it has a lot of variation, it has a lot of replayability, it includes strategic thinking. It has miniatures. It has a lot of components, a lot of little chits and stuff that you can use to keep track of things. It has really cool graphics. It has great graphic design, and the rule book is actually pretty decent, which is more than I can say for early attacking rule books. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is. <laughs> it definitely and and like Eric said, there's there's already four expansions available. You got the House of Gawam, the House of Durov, Sila, and Picard. And there was an OP for Q coming out as well. I couldn't believe that my store actually ran out of Klingon expansions. Like, I think it's actually been selling fairly well. They ordered four Klingon expansions, and every single one of them sold before I could get to it. And I'm the guy paying attention. So (laughs) they sold fast. And there's nothing in the rules at all about faction on faction. And so, in my mind, I would think that you could play Zeros sure. against Galran, right? Because that would make yeah, sense. Sure. Yep. So, I think you could, you could if, if you wanted to be Zeros and I wanted to be Galran, they're mortal enemies. You could do Klingon on Klingon action. The rules don't spring on war. You can't. Klingon right, exactly. civil war. So if you wanted to buy Gowron and you wanted to buy Duras, there's no reason why you couldn't put both of them on the table at the same time. 
and battle each other. Awesome idea. The rules don't the rules don't say that you can't. Uh, so yeah. And uh, just on a side note, the Federation deck comes with Jordy and Crusher and Wesley, I believe, as characters that you can put in your deck and play. In the rule book, it, there was a, a little sentence in the rule book that said, if you're playing a character, you need to take the character card out of the deck. So I immediately went and flipped through the deck to find out what characters were in there. And as soon as I did, I said, well, obviously they're coming out with an expansion that has these characters in it, or they wouldn't have put that in the rule book. And guess what? Now we have the Picard away team that has those characters. So I got all excited, and I ran to my Klingon deck. I'm like, oh, man, I wonder what Klingons they're going to have. Well, no luck. <laughs> there's no there's, there's no Duras sisters in the Galan deck. <laughs> so, that <laughs> So overall, Charles, what do you think about about uh, Wolf Three Five Nine away missions? I'm you looking forward to figuring how I can get on the table. Yeah, maybe with maybe a group of four or five people. <clears throat> four or five people. I'm going to have to pull somebody off the side to play it, but I'm looking forward to getting it on the table. Yeah, it's a fun game. It is a fun game. And David, you haven't actually seen it yet. No, um, I, I've seen like a YouTube video about it, but uh, that's about it. And it does look really fun, and I can't wait to play it. So I'm hoping that I get to transfer eventually after I move. So <laughs> I was gonna say, I'm pretty sure you and I have an away mission date after you get done moving, don't we? Woo! I'll be well, <laughs> Believe it or not, we blew through an hour. Can you believe it? Wow. Yeah, we didn't even get through all the classic games. It goes by pretty quick. Uh, on a side note, I did want to mention, and we'll talk more on Thursday, that the writer's strike is over. And that's a good thing. No, that's a, the writer's is a strike step. is pending. They, the writers so have had to vote on the contract. So I, have a, I have an article that we're going to read, uh, that we're going to talk about on Thursday. And um, the writers uh, have taken down their pickets. However, there's a caveat. However, um, they are not going to cross the picket lines of the Screen Actors Guild. And what that means is, even though the writers have agreed to go back to work, um, if, if the Star Trek writer uh, actors are on strike, the Star Trek writers are not going to cross their picket lines and go to work on Star Trek until the Screen Actors Guild comes up with a contract. Wait, However, I have a question, Jim. Didn't the Screen Actors Guild only go on strike because the writers went on strike? No, well, they want their contract updated this, too. Yeah, they had the same the same issues they they had, but late night talk shows are going to go back into production relatively quick. So there's that, you know, if you're into the night, you know, Conan O'Brien or, or Arsenio Hall or whatever, those shows are going to go back <laughs> into production. Okay. You know. Another 30-year-old reference from Jim. Thank you. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Jim, <laughs> Arsenio uh, retired a while ago. <laughs> okay. We get it. Wow. We get it. Yeah. So, 
Uh, the talk shows are going to go back into production relatively quick. But uh, the, the rest of the writers, like the Star Trek writers and all the shows that we like to watch, they are going to honor the, the strike until the Screen Actors Guild comes up with an agreement. And I don't think it's going to be very long. I, I really don't. So we'll, we'll talk about that more on Thursday. But I wanted to throw that out I've there. In fact, I've heard the writers, some of the writers were invited to join the actors' strike on the line. So, yeah. I think it's just a matter a matter of time now. So I just wanted to throw that out there. And uh, we'll talk about that on Thursday, as well as we're going to talk about a lot of Orion. We're going to have some Orion fun on Thursday. Uh, and uh, we're going to talk about uh, worse uh, contact. Uh, unfortunately, we're going to talk about that as well. So you want to tune in on Thursday night for Trek Talk, and we're going to have a lot of fun. So be there or be Square. I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim, and I want to say thank you to Eric for hanging out and, and taking some time to talk about Star Trek Into the Unknown and the Battle of Wolf 359 away missions. Thank you so much, Eric. Ah, uh, you bet, Jim. We continue to live in the golden age of Star Trek, and I am living it up. Yes, we. There's other games we haven't even had a chance to talk about, so maybe we'll have to do another another show. Uh, also, thank you so much to David for hanging out and chatting with us tonight. Thank you, David. Yeah, that's fine. I guess I'm going to have to be square for this Thursday. I'm moving. So, yeah, good luck, everybody. I'll uh, try and leave a, uh, a comment about the Orion episode because that was really fun. So, see ya. Yeah, you know, you can go to trucktalking.com and use the blue talkback mic in the bottom corner and record a message for us that we can play on the show, so even though you're not there, you'll be there in spirit. Uh, Pretty. Yeah, I can record my own. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I can do that. So you can do either way. And also, thank you so much to our very own Charles for hanging out and Trek talking with us tonight. Thank you so much, Charles. Oh, thank you, Jim. You kind of stole my thunder in there, saying, "I think we need a part two on this one for a few, very quite a few classic games." There's some yeah, other good board games out there I think people we'd love to talk about. Yeah, I, I just wanted I've, – I've been hearing a lot about um, this into, into the Unknown game, and there's been a lot of, of, of bashing and, and Star Trek Attack Wing comparisons and Armada comparisons. I just wanted to go on record and get it out there so – you know, fans can understand the differences between these games and whatnot, make up their own mind. So, you know, that's why I wanted to do this. And because Away, Away Missions is a cool game. So that's why we wanted to do it. And I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim, just saying to everybody, please stay safe and be good to each other. Star Trek fans are the best fans. You better believe it. Good night, everybody. Hey, y'all. Let's see what's out there.